Hello, friends. Welcome to Village Idiots for Christ, where we're nuts for Jesus and just playing nuts. This is the the video and the podcast. So we are in Reve- it's Revelation Wednesday today. We're in a very significant chapter. A lot happens. It's a short chapter, Revelation 20. But so many interesting things are happening here. I think it's going to go quick, but I'm not positive because I really want to break this down. Uh, there is just so much in here. This is such a full chapter. And there's some questions of why things are happening the way they are. So but we'll just jump right in here. Revelation chapter 20. I uh, hope you enjoy this. Uh, we have two more weeks. And as, as I said yesterday, what I'm going to do from now on is I've just... I'm addicted to this. I'm learning, just I'm getting so filled up with this that, uh, and I want to keep it out there. So every every Wednesday we're just going to go through Revelation, and when we get to the end, the next Wednesday we start one again, and just pray that God reveals more and more of it to us because it's a blessing at the beginning to read or to hear this book is a blessing, and the hours we're living in, if we truly are coming to the Lord's return, this book is about to become hypercritical in all of our lives, and understanding what's in this book is so important. So if we're here for some or all of this, or, you know, we don't know. No one knows when the rapture is going to happen. But if we see part of this, we'll be able to go, wow, that's right there in Revelation chapter 6. Man, that's Revelation 18. I mean, having that knowledge you may be able to share it with others. Well, just, I mean, I mean, when the two witnesses show up or their temple is rebuilt or the Antichrist shows up and we, it's right here and we know it's coming. Oh, people perish for a lack of knowledge. So. This is knowledge in your heart and in your mind, and we need this in this hour. So let's just jump right in. A lot of people don't want to touch this book. Man, I'm determined to just get in and plow through it and plow through it and plow through it till we get a good handle on it. So this book is like an onion. You have to keep peeling the layers back. You just keep, and it's endless. So enough of the introduction. Revelation chapter 20, the thousand years. Let's just jump right in. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Okay, that's one through three. Let's break that down. Um, this is... This is um, uh, Satan being imprisoned in the earth somewhere, in the, the abyss that goes into the earth. He's going to be imprisoned during the millennial reign of Christ. That's why it says a thousand years. During the millennial reign of Christ, he's going to be imprisoned in the earth. And lo- it's going to be locked in. The, the, there's going to be a lock and a seal over the door, whatever, whatever, however it's all locked and sealed. Because he had a, it says, he saw him come, coming down out of heaven. He had a key. And he saw the key. John saw the key. So, we, you know, we don't understand everything. But, I mean, there may be a literal lock and seal over the passageway that keeps Satan locked in. I mean, we don't know. So, he's going to be thrown in this abyss. And that, and the uh, most people believe this angel is Michael, the archangel Michael. And he's going, to, he's going to take hold of the dragon, Satan, that ancient serpent was the devil. He's going to bind him. He's going to be bound with a chain. He's going to be thrown into this abyss where he cannot... Um, deceive the nations anymore. So for a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ, even though people will still have a sin nature, it'll be like on idol, or it'll be on, it'll be in stasis. It'll be be a, a, at peace for a thousand years. You won't have anybody inside your. You know how the devil likes inside your head. Oh, you're ugly. You're old. You're fat. You're stupid. Nobody loves you. You all of us hear these voices in our head. If it's condemnation, it's not God. God corrects. He chastens, and any 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 uh, he he brings us. Um, he brings us encouragement, but the devil always, if you're getting pounded in your head, 
I mean, by ugliness, that's not God. God doesn't correct in that way. It's not the way he is. So for a thousand years, we're going to have silence in our minds. <laughs> All the people living on the earth. And so, and you think about it, and I've pondered this. Now, the guy's in prison for a thousand years. He's in the prison for a thousand years. Does he spend that thousand years repenting, uh, you know, examining, you know, why he went from Lucifer to the devil, why he, he, his rebellion against God? The answer is no, and we're going to see the we're going to see why in a little bit. And so, but a thousand a thousand years you you have a a thousand years of solitary confinement, and no and nothing redemptive comes out of it. That's what's going to happen with the devil. We'll see why in a minute. It's it's tragic. He was a beautiful. He's pure. The Bible says he was perfect in beauty and wisdom. God made him to be the guardian of his throne in the garden of God. It says in Ezekiel 28, God was close with him. God was doing intimacy with him. I think that's why God made him so special and so great as one of the three archangels. I think God was having a relationship with him. It does say expressly in the Bible, but I mean, how could he have gone from that to doing what he did? It's, It's one of the great mysteries. Let's continue on here. Verse four, I saw thrones and were seated on those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. I'm going to go over that again. But I want to share something with you. This thing called amillennialism, or it begins with an A, but there's a teaching, and I'm not picking on anybody specifically, there's a teaching in the Lutheran Church, the Catholic Church, uh, the Presbyterian Church, and other churches, that everything I'm reading right now is metaphorical, that when um, Jesus rose from the dead, the thousand-year reign of Christ began then, and it was just metaphorical, that all of these things... See, this is we we're dispens- I'm a dispensationalist. There's different literal dispensations of what's going on in the Bible. The time of the Gentiles is real. There's different dispensations of time. I don't believe if it doesn't if the Bible does not appear. This is again. I don't know if you're in this camp or not. But I, I, I have friends that don't believe the that don't believe the millennial reign of Christ is, is a literal thousand year millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Believe all this has happened already, and this is all just metaphorical. I'm sorry, this does not give the appearance of metaphor whatsoever. And I'm going to prove that. Watch this. It says, okay, now let's imagine. Okay, let's just pretend that they're right. That this is metaphor. Then explain to me what I'm about to read to you. I saw thrones in which were seated those who have been given authority to judge. So thrones, once Satan's thrown into the pit, there's going to be thrones set up for those that are are worthy to judge. Now watch this. Now, this will show you that this is not metaphorical, that this is literal. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead or their hands. Okay, if, if this is metaphor, what does all this mean? I mean, think about this. We just went through the tribulation. 
<coughs> the Antichrist and false prophet have been dispatched into the lake of fire. Satan has been thrown into the pit for a thousand years. And now what happens? God raises from the dead the first resurrection. We read it already. He raised from the dead all of the martyrs during the tribulation. All of those people who would not take the mark of the beast, who would not worship his image, who were beheaded. He raises them up to reign with him for a thousand years. How can that be metaphor? Listen, the specificity is so amazing. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. That doesn't sound like a metaphor, does it? They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or hands. It's, it's pretty straightforward to me. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I, you know, you can overcomplicate. The Bible is complicated. The Bible's a mystery. But some of this stuff is straight up. You know, God so loved the world that he gave up his one and only son. Whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean? It means God so loved the world that he gave up his one and only son. There's no metaphor there. God loved the world and he gave his son for it. This is the same thing. It's so simple. But people want to go, oh, well, that, it doesn't really mean what it says. Why? Why? Because we don't want to have faith to believe the word is what it says and says what it means and means what it says. I'd rather believe that it means what it says and says what it means than playing the metaphor game in my mind. I believe when it's metaphorical that the Bible says that the Bible, uh, you know, it, as unto, you know, this, you know, when Jesus was telling parables, those were metaphors. You know, the kingdom of God is like a pearl buried in a field. The kingdom of God is like this. That's a metaphor. He says it's like a. Okay, this is a saying, uh, you know, these guys are going to be kind of maybe resurrected from the dead. <laughs> no, it says they are. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to, um, to, 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 to be, to, to, be, um, to continue on with this, but this is important. How you see the Bible, if you see the Bible as one big metaphor, you won't take it seriously. But if these words mean something, if they have weight, if they're literal, then man, this means something. It's important. Let's continue on. Again, they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So these guys have a special resurrection. It says this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. Now, again, if, we're one, if we go through the tribulation and we're martyred, we're going to be part of these guys. I was... One of my things to God when I'm talking to God about this, I say, you know, Lord, if there is no rapture, you know, because we don't know for sure. I mean, we all believe there's a rapture, and I do too. But I tell the Lord, I said, you know, if there ain't no rapture or we're missing it somehow, I said, I want to be one of these guys. Not because I want to rule and reign with you, but I want to be, I want to lay my life down. Don't you want to lay your life down for Christ? Aren't you? I mean, you're willing, I'm willing. If we're not willing, we should pray to be willing, to be a, a martyr, to have the honor of suffering for the name. He suffered for us. We should be willing to suffer for him. Not that you pursue that. It's an honor. You can't pursue that. It's an honor from God. But man, what, a, what an amazing thing. These, these guys suffered so much. And they get, to, they get to rule and reign with Christ during the millennial reign of Christ. And by the way, the millennial reign of Christ is literal too. There are people who teach that. Isn't it? You go in Isaiah, there's tons of scripture about the millennial reign. Let's continue on. Sorry, I belabored that point. That's the word I was looking for, belabored. Blessed and, those, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. So, these guys are blessed and holy. Isn't that awesome? The second death has no power on them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Man. <laughs> blessed, man. Blessed, 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 blessed. 
king, they will be priests of God, and of, and of they'll be priests of God, and of Christ, and will reign with them a thousand years. Let's just continue. I've belabored that up. Verse seven. Now this is Satan's doom. Now, and I'm going to answer this. This is a big question people have, and I'm going to answer it. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. And number there like the sand on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan's going to come out of the pit. He's going to tempt those because physical people with flesh and blood, not glorified yet, will be living on the earth for a thousand years. There's going to be, there's, you know, the earth's going to be repopulated. from It was depopulated during the tribulation. It's going to be repopulated with natural people. And so he's going to come up and tempt those people. And the question is, and it's often asked, and I wondered it myself, not in questioning God, but wondering, God, why do you let Satan come back after a thousand years? And I prayed about this, and I believe this is the answer. It's the final proof that God has always been right. And what I mean is this. God's going to turn the entire earth into the Garden of Eden. Everything you desire, everything you want, it's going to come to pass. There'll be no sin. There's no temptation. So it's going to be a pure experience with God and with Christ. And all your dreams basically are going to come true. For a thousand years, it's going to be bliss. A thousand years, it's going to be peace on earth, goodwill towards men, no war, no famine, no unemployment, no pestilence, no darkness, no devil, no demons. For a thousand years, all your dreams come true. And, and and again, but still, man still has his sin nature. It's kind of on idle. It's kind of asleep. And so, the proof and this proves how great the depravity of man is. How great the darkness of man is. Because Satan is going to be released from the pit and allowed to tempt man. And and they've had everything for a thousand years. They've had everything they could ever want for a thousand years. The devil comes up. Instead of resisting him, it says he's going to gather an army like the sand on the seashore. It's going to be, they're going to be a measure. It says um, he'll gather them for battle in number there like this. So they're going to come from the four corners of the earth. And Jesus will be ruling from exalted Jerusalem. And they're going to come from all, all the way around. And they're just going to surround. It says right there. It says they march across the breadth of the, they're going to march across the breadth of the earth. They're going to come from all corners. He's going to gather people from all nations. And they're going to come. Of course, the breadth, the breadth of the earth means they're coming from everywhere and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. So they're going to come from probably millions and millions and millions, maybe a billion or more people. But think about it. These people have every, had everything they wanted for a thousand years. And this proves that you give the devil half a chance in most people's hearts and they'll just walk away from God. No matter how perfect he's made it for them. No matter how beautiful. They'll let the devil talk him in to rebelling against God. One of my questions for God when we enter into this thousand years is when we get close to the end of the thousand years, are we going to be able to warn mortal men? Hey, ten years from now the devil's coming. Get your heart right. Start praying. You know, get, prepare for this temp- all this darkness coming in your mind. I, I, have a, I don't know if we'll be allowed to, but I wonder. But again, then let's finish it off here. Um, 
of the sea. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. So this is the final act of rebellion, the final proof that God was always right, the final proof that man is truly depraved in his heart and that give it half a chance he'll always follow the devil. It doesn't say all men followed. It says that he's going to gather up an army. So some are going to resist. There are some people who are going to truly love God. But most, some people will just be coasting through this time without any true love for God. And those are the people who are going to be corrupted. But it says, it says so God's, God's done. He's, he's proven his point here. Man is utterly corrupt without Christ. And so fire comes. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, 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 I think it was burning sulfur. It's probably the same thing. It's probably burning sulfur fall right down and just wipe these people out. And now here's in chapter 10, verse 10. This is the devil's final doom. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented night, day and night, forever and ever. We, you know, we always ask the questions, you know, why do people get cancer? Why do babies die? Why all the darkness? Why, why the craziness? Do you know what? The one that is leading the whole world astray is going to pay for every, I believe personally, this is my belief, that yes, men are going to be judged for their own sin, but he's going to be judged for their sin as well, because he's the one that led them into sin. And I believe not only are men going to pay for their sins, but he's going to pay for them too. And he's going to be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, and he is going to be torn, he is going to pay for his crimes against God and against men forever. Remember that when you see, you know, when, when you ask the questions, why all the darkness? Why so much suffering on the earth? Because we have an adversary. We have one who is against us, who is against God. And this whole thing has to play itself out. This thing called time in between eternity past and eternity future. You know why all this is happening? God right now. And the devil's part of it. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. He's separating his children from the children of the devil. There's two children on the earth. Jesus said himself, your children of the devil. He said to the Pharisees, your father the devil. So right now, right now, this time we're living in, thing called time, in between eternity past and eternity future, this is God's separation time. These thousands and thousands of years we've had since Adam and Eve till the present, God is separating his children from those who don't want to be his children. That's all that's happening right now. And the devil, and, and some are choosing of their own free will to follow the devil. Now they could listen to God, they could read his word, they could pray, they could listen to their conscience what God gave them, they could look at nature. And see the testimony of God, but they don't want to. And so that's what this this what time that's what time is about. It's the separation from the righteous from the wicked. So and once we're done and every and everything's over, then the righteous will be with God forever. And we're about to see where the wicked go. Here we go. We're almost believe it or not, we're almost done this chapter, and we're only eighteen minutes in. So I know I've been doing a lot of explanation, but it's important to break these things down. And then I saw a great white throne, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The death and Hades gave up the dead that were in it. In them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was now found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the judgment of the damned. And we know that because of why. Because the dead were judged according to what they had done. 
Christians aren't judged according to what they have done. Our deeds are not up before God as far as, as far as our salvation goes. We are judged according to our hearts. We are judged whether we receive Christ or not. But the dead who, re- the, the damned, those who refuse to receive Christ are judged for the deeds. They didn't receive Christ, so their deeds are going to be judged. And of course, no man can earn his way into heaven. That's why they're all condemned. But that's why we know this is not the judgment of the righteous. The righteous go before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the judgment of the damned because it's judged according to works. The the righteous are judged according to their faith. They're justified by their faith. And that's through repentance, through their heart being right with God. These people, because their heart wasn't right with God, God's going to look at their actions. And let's let's read it again real quick. Uh, and I saw a great white throne. You've you've seen this probably in movies. It's up the great white throne. Christ is sitting on the throne. The trick chick tracks always do a really great white throne. The little the cartoon tracks. He said, uh, and, and and again, we know this is Jesus because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and judgment's been handed over to Him. God, He's the one. God's placed Jesus in charge of the judgment. Uh, earth and sky fled from his presence, no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing for their own books. All the dead from all time, all the damned from all time, from the very beginning, from, from Cain, let's start with Cain who killed his brother Abel, all the way to the last guy, the last sinner. They're all judged. Now the false prophet and the, and the, false prophet and the uh, Antichrist, uh, they're already in lake fire, the devil's in lake fire, but this is all of the damned. And... The books were open. Another book is open. The book of life. Just he's going to open the book of life, even though none of these people are saved. Just going to see hey, your name isn't written in the book. There it is, not in there. And the judge according to that is recording the books again. And the sea gave up, and death and Hades, or death and hell, gave up the the dead that were in them. And each person judged. So this is the final judgment. All of the dead in hell right now will come up before this this judgment. All of them. All those. All the dead that died in the sea are coming up. All people of all time, from beginning to the very end, all of those, all those that died, all the war, the armies of Antichrist, all of them are going to stand before this great white throne judgment. Um, then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. So even death and hell, the lake of fire, that's that's Gehenna, I think they call it. I might be getting that right, but that's the final, final. And that's even worse. That lake of fire is even worse than, than death and hell. The lake of fire is the second death. This is the bad death. This is the death of people's souls. And uh, the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Heaven and hell are real, but this lake of fire, Gehenna. If I'm not getting not getting that wrong, I might be. If I do, yeah, you know, forgive me. But I think this is Gehenna, like the second the, the second death, the lake of fire. But man, we see here. I mean, God, Jesus has a beautiful eternity for us, a beautiful thousand years for us. But it's our choice whether we follow God or the devil. It's our choice whether we're son of the God or the son of the devil. It's our choice how we're going to be judged, whether judged in righteousness before the judgment seat of Christ where our righteous acts for Christ were judged or judged for our unrighteous actions. You know, again, it's, it's our choice where we stand. And, and, and we all make that choice. And, every, and God is going to be fair and just at the end. All the books will be balanced. 
everything be done because after this this is the final act this is the final act of this dispensation then chapter 21 is the new heavens and new earth everything changes in 21 and 22 so this is the final deal revelation 20 deals with the finality of man the thousand years the judgment all of it finally everything all the books, all the records, everything that has to be done is done by Revelation 20. And then 21, everything becomes new. And that's me. I can't wait to teach 21. So anyway, I went 22 minutes. I apologize. I don't like to go too long. But enjoy, again, just walk with Christ. Be with Christ. Commit your life to Christ. If you fall down today, get up tomorrow, repent, and keep walking with Him. The purpose in your heart in these final minutes, the final seconds of these final days, in these final, in these fi- in this final time called the end. Purpose in your heart to give your heart total. Hold nothing in reserve. Give God everything in this hour. He's worthy of it. Just commit to Him and say, God, here I am. Whatever you want, God. Whatever you desire. I lay my life down for you. I give it up for my neighbor. Whatever you want, God. And give God your life. And be willing to give Him everything, including your life, if it's required of you. He loves you. And He has a beautiful eternity for you. A beautiful millennial kingdom for you. Just walk with Christ every day. Keep your heart right. Guard your heart every day. Judge your own heart. If you see something dark in there, repent of it. And keep walking. Just every day, walk with Him. If you walk with Him every day like that, you'll keep your heart right. He'll help you keep your heart right. That's the point. Love you, love you. Can't get enough of you. Have a blessed day. Amen.